don't believe Marc-Andre Fleury will be coming back to Pittsburgh. Certainly not the way things are set up at the moment. And I know, I know that's not what you want to hear. It's not what anyone wants to hear. Good morning to you. Good Wednesday morning. I'm Dayan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Penguins. Comes your way bright and early every weekday morning if you're into football and or baseball. I also offer up daily shots of Steelers and Pirates right where you found this. Flurry, of course, was traded yesterday somewhat unceremoniously by the Golden Knights, meaning they didn't even tell him. He found out from Twitter. To the Blackhawks, and it took roughly 0.001 seconds for Alan Walsh, his very vocal, very visible agent, to start sending signals all across the NHL, not least of which was on his own Twitter account, that Fleury was really unhappy about this and that he and his family were going to take time to try to figure out what's next for him. He's 36. There's at least a theoretical chance he could retire, although there'd never been any such indication before that. One way or another, it was really, really clear he's not playing for the Hawks. So, what's he going to do? Well, Kelly McCrimmon, the, the GM in Vegas, got on a call not long after this and explained his belief that Flurry just flat out didn't want to be traded from Vegas, period, regardless the destination might be, and that would make it seem as if, you know, no Pittsburgh. But then, and this is, if you follow enough people on social media who are in the hockey world, you can take all the little slices, the the, the droppings, the clues, the hints that are left along the way from Alan Walsh, because he's constantly talking to everybody. And you see little things like a source close to Flurry says that Flurry would have no problem returning to Pittsburgh and playing for Mike Sullivan, despite what happened in 2017 when Sullivan took Flurry's net from him in Ottawa, gave it to Matt Murray. Murray goes on to win the cup. Flurry has sad face in Nashville. And that, out of nowhere, is not a problem for Flower. That just happens to make it somewhere today. It's all from Walsh, all of it, okay? Because he's trying to set up something where the Penguins can get interested. My understanding is that they aren't and that they haven't been. I want you to think about something here. Vegas traded Flower to Chicago without anything at all of input or discussion with Flurry now, McCrimmon did say that on July 12 that they had had a uh, they they had let Flower and Walsh both know that they were in discussion with the Hawks. Okay, that was that, and that there were some other teams. Never, never has Pittsburgh come up. Not once. Not on any other end, and not from anything that I've heard. Not 
once has Pittsburgh come up. If you saw what Chicago sent back to Vegas, which was some no-name defenseman just to make it look like an actual trade, then you'll know that Vegas was doing nothing more than clearing cap space, presumably to go chase Jack Eichel or whatever else because they don't have any centers. That's the kind of thing that I can see them doing. They really just wanted Flowers' $7 million salary off the, off the cap hit. And they got it. The trade was consummated. It was done. Flower never had a chance to say no. Never had a chance to say, hey, wait a second. I don't want to do this. I'm not interested in playing for the Hawks. So the Hawks pick up a $7 million bill. A goaltender who might not be with them. Now, of course, the Hawks wouldn't have to pay him if he doesn't play, and the Hawks could have the $7 million in cap space, but then, you know, they had that anyway. I'm going to repeat this. The Penguins weren't in on this at all. From everything I know, the Penguins weren't in on this. This portion of Daily Shot of Penguins is brought to you by Fubo TV. The monthly cost of cable is over 200 bucks. Fubo TV is 65 bucks a month to watch all the same channels. No contracts, no catch, you can cancel any time. And for a limited time, Fubo TV is offering our listeners of this show a seven-day free trial and 15% off your first month. Just go to FuboTV.com slash DK. One more time, it's FuboTV.com slash DK. The Penguins would have to be a significant player to this point in these dialogues, meaning with McCrimmon, with Vegas, in order to have illustrated any interest at any point in Flower. Now, again, I'm going to separate here when I'm talking about the Penguins, when I'm talking about Jim Rutherford, who did make a strong attempt to get Flurry back before this past season. New management. New management. Ron Hextall and in the advisory capacity over him, Brian Burke, have not shown any indication whatsoever, including behind the scenes, of chasing after Flower. And they still aren't. Why is that? Maybe they have their own idea as to how to address goaltending. Maybe they really do believe in Tristan Jari and Casey DeSmith. But maybe also they just look at the cap space that they have. And by the way, it should be a foregone conclusion. The Penguins don't have anywhere near enough cap space right now. They'd have to get pretty creative to pull this off if they went after Flurry. And maybe they just feel like that cap space could be put to better use addressing different needs. Maybe they'll sign Cody Cece. <laughs> I'd be all in favor of that. But I I'm also all in favor of upgrading the goaltender. I'm in favor of bringing back Flower. How could you not be? How could you not be? In a vacuum, he makes sense a billion times over. But there's something that's off here. There's something that's off. Maybe McCrimmon was telling the truth that Flower really didn't want to be traded anywhere because it's not like 
anybody who would be in that conversation with McCrimmon wouldn't be thinking the same thing that we are right now. That returning to Pittsburgh would be a no-brainer. Maybe Walsh is just trying to kind of lay a foundation for a possibility that he could return to Pittsburgh by leaking that stuff out about Flurry respecting Sullivan. Maybe. But you know what? It takes two to make this happen. And let's step back from the emotional stuff and what the return would be like and the roar and the ovation and people, uh, you know, banging on the glass and crying. I'm sure there would be tears. I'm not being facetious. I saw what the return was like when he was in a Vegas uniform. Never seen anything like that in my life. That aside, and let's get, you know, down to what matters. And that's whether or not it could be done, even if the Penguins wanted to. The stock answer to that is, sure, yes, absolutely, could be done. You could trade or move players who cost a lot of money, you know, and then free up money for flour. But what are you looking at realistically as you go over this roster? You can say, well, just move Jason Zucker and Marcus Pedersen and we're all good. Well, problem is, nobody would take Zucker. Nobody would take him. Not at a 5.5 hit and not since it's multi-year. No chance. Look around the league right now at the deals that are being made. The Flyers sent Shane Gostisbehere to Phoenix for nothing. Not a thing. Why? They had cap space, meaning the Coyotes, and that's a valuable, valuable thing. Flower himself was just moved in a transaction Almost exactly like that. The Hawks sending the, the nobody guy back to Vegas. Why? Because it's a flat cap right now. There's no increase in it because of the pandemic. And as a result, this is an asset. It's an actual commodity, meaning cap spaces. So you're not going to get somebody to take Zucker. What about Marcus Pedersen? Well, you'd get somebody to take him, but even there, I'll bet you you'd have teams that are looking at, you know, you keep X amount of dollars. You know, I looked at a, a, a couple of the moves that Winnipeg made yesterday. Winnipeg's a team that I feel the Jets need defensemen as much as any team in the league. They have guys up front. They have a world-class goaltender. They really, really need defensemen. And the Jets were making similar kind of moves where they were just, everything had something to do with money and more prominently than usual. That's the way this is going to go. So if, I think somebody could take Marcus Pedersen, but again, look at the dollar figure. You know, Marcus is a $4 million player. Uh, that's, that's half of Flower's salary. You know, you know, again, you can get creative. You can call the Hawks and say, listen, I know you need goaltending. Uh, you know, why don't you take Tristan Jari? You know, send us Flurry. We'll figure out something with the difference. Take this and this cap hit. Uh, you could work in a team like the Sabres, who currently have, incidentally, zero goaltenders. I'm not kidding. They have no goaltenders. Insert punchline here, huh? 
and you could say, listen, why don't you be a facilitator in this in this trade, and you can you know take this player, that player, this pile of cash, that pile of cash, and get Flurry to Pittsburgh. But in order for that to happen, you still need to have Hextall believing that this is the right move for this franchise. You might think so, and you might think so, but remember that what I'm discussing here more than anything is whether or not it will happen, not whether or not we want it to. Hextall has to be sold on the idea that Flurry is the right move to make and factor in that it'll come at the expense of other moves that he might want to additionally make to this roster or that he'd already had in mind or that he might have another goaltender in mind. I'm just throwing out that there's a lot of lot of moving parts here and it's not as simple as saying "Ooh, does flower want to come home or do the penguins want to bring flower home none of that sounds like it's the thing here i strongly suspect that this is going to be one heck of a hill to climb for the penguins to make this happen but i also strongly suspect based on everything over the past month they're not all that eager to climb it when we come back just one question welcome back it's time for just one question and that's brought to you on this program, always by the very good people at the Greater Pittsburgh Community Food Bank, where they're committed to providing food for all of our neighbors in need across western Pennsylvania. Visit pittsburghfoodbank.org to find out how $1 is all it takes to produce five full meals for those in need. pittsburghfoodbank.org Today's question comes from Mark Mydell, who asks... Jared McCann did a lot to stabilize the Penguins' power play this year. With him now gone, who will fill the right circle spot the best? Well, the first thing I'll say is that I, I don't, I didn't really think of McCann as a right circle guy. He did move around a lot, uh, and I'm sure he did end up over there at times because of the the roving nature of what he was tasked with doing. But for the most part, what I loved about McCann's game was that he found a way to come off the left boards work his way into a danger area and for him with his wrist shot and the velocity and the accuracy of it he was a threat from distance which is pretty rare these days for a wrist shot and he was able to work it all together and because the goaltender and everybody else is thinking boy I really need to worry about all of these people out here not named Jared McCann Jared McCann would get a good shot off and he scored on a bunch of them who will pick up that spot for the Penguins I mean look at what just happened in the Islanders series the Penguins did go back to a regular power play that did not include McCann, which might or might not have contributed to his being awfully quiet 
in that series because you know if you don't if you don't score at all, you start beating yourself up a little bit, especially in a short series where the sample size is so magnified. Maybe if McCann had gotten a power play goal early, he scores more five on five. Maybe he doesn't defer as much to Jeff Carter the way I thought he did excessively at even strength. But we can't know that. What we do know is that the Penguins still have a a pretty impressive first unit on the power play. I'm of the opinion, and this is not based on actual information. This is literally just an opinion, so please don't inflate it into anything else. I'm of the opinion that Jake Gensel was really, really banged up in the playoffs, and that's part of the reason that he wasn't able to do that thing that we saw McCann doing where he cut to the middle. And in fairness, Jake was just getting obliterated. Barry Trotz had made up his mind before that series that he was not going to let... 59 beat him. But I think you still have enough guys between Gensel, Crosby, Rust. Don't forget about Carter. Don't forget about Kapanen, who really, really, with all that skill, should be. And I'm not saying this is an admonition of Mike Sullivan. I'm saying this is an admonition of Kapanen. He should be on the top power play. He should earn his way onto the top power play. He should work his way into the same discussion that McCann did. Uh, If not, then you do have Carter, which is one of the things that the Penguins did in the Islanders series because Carter was just on fire and you couldn't keep him off of anything. Uh, They have people. They have people, Mark. They'll they'll find a way. Uh, The loss of McCann I I don't think will be as much uh, damaging to the power play as it will to the overall feel of the Penguins being fast and dangerous. Uh, McCann added a lot of that, uh, particularly this past season at 5-on-5, and I'm sure he'll add it this coming season for Seattle as well. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everybody listening to Daily Shot of Penguins. We'll do another one of these tomorrow. (laughs) 